Welcome to the Akiyama Brothers Song Screen Podcast, hosted by Mark and Landon Akiyama. In episode 24, Mark and Landon talk about their trip to CTN Animation Expo. They discuss new shorts, exciting industry news, and the untamed world of virtual reality. Find out more at AkiyamaMusic.com. Hi, Landon. Hi, Mark. How are you? Good. How you doing? I'm good. So how about that Animation Expo? Ooh, that was some expo. Yeah, so we went last year. Last year was our first year, but we only went one day, and this year we actually got to spend all three like, days. Yeah, all three days on much, the floor. Yeah. Well, actually, there's four days. Yeah, but four days. The but four, the the first day is open to, like exclusive for people. Yeah, we missed so. opening night. Yeah, that's um, fine. That's not but, fine. We missed the Howard Ashman documentary by Don Don Hahn. That's oh, cool. We'll that's find true. it somewhere. Howard Ashman, by the way, uh, in case you don't know, he's the guy who was. The lyricist with Alan Menken on on the nineteen ninety Disney movies like um, Little Mermaid, um, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, so they did had a documentary on that. But anyway, we didn't get to see that. So, before we get into all that, we do have some follow up. Our last episode, episode twenty three, we talked about Brandy's Lament, and that's where we told you guys we do have a YouTube. It's new. Yeah. It's, it's still kind of new. It's brand new, like a brand new baby boy, but it won't be brand new if you go and subscribe. So I don't know where I was going with that, but go ahead and subscribe. Yeah. So mostly YouTube is going to be used for our additional videos and movies for the related to the podcast. We have a special playlist just for that. We where we give you like behind the scenes looks at whatever we're talking about that that week. Um, we're also going to include some. So we have one tutorial of a score we've done. And then we're also going to include stuff like the the short films that we make and everything like that. So, yeah, definitely, definitely stay up to date on YouTube also. And to find a quick link to go to our YouTube page, you can check out the show notes in each of your individual podcast players, like for Apple Podcasts. If you just keep swiping up from the now playing zone, you'll find our show notes and a bunch of links that Mark and I always keep up to date. All right, the other thing, it's a little late for this, but uh, Moment, the Moment Lenses, they were having a, a cool sale for the Cyber Cyber Week, Cyber Monday, that whole week or whatever. I guess it lasts a lo- long week now. But they were having a sale. Um, it's over now. Uh, so sorry. sorry. But um, <laughs> if you can still use our discount link, the Moment Ambassador link that we have, and you'll get 10% off, um, and a little bit goes back to help us in the studio. And that 10% is year-round. Yeah, so if you so it, like they make really great gifts for Christmas gifts and everything. So if you're looking to start shopping for Christmas, you should definitely check those out. We use them all the time. Actually, we just got the anamorphic lens, so they shipped that to us, and it's really cool. It's really cool. So we're gonna we're gonna use that for uh, an upcoming movie that we're working on. So um, yeah, we'll tell you more about that. But it's awesome. So go check out Moment Lenses and use our discount link. All right, so onward and upward with this episode. Mark, what CTN did we do? Animation Expo. Okay, so it actually stands for Creative Talent Network Animation Expo. And, and that's the company that puts on this expo. Yeah, so they're kind of like an online platform that houses um, or gets artists together and they have lessons and tutorials and they organize different events and everything. So this is their main main expo for the year. It's kind of like Comic-Con, but strictly for animators and, and artists and filmmakers in, in animation. So it's really, really cool. Yeah, so you have a lot of the big companies like Disney Animation Studios, Disney Television Animation Studios, Pixar. DreamWorks. Yes, DreamWorks. Um, Nickelodeon's there usually. 
Oh, um, Netflix was there. Netflix, Sony. Yeah. And then there's also like a floor uh, where um, independent animators can also, they have booths and everything. So you walk by and you find, you find new talent, which is awesome. So now it's like a animation swap meet, basically. <laughs> yeah. But for the whole family. A lot of panels this year. So we tried to do oh, yeah. a lot more panels this year than last year. Yeah, so we're both also really interested in animation in general. So that's why we really enjoy going to these things. Yeah. Um, there was a project that, project that we were working on earlier that was intended to be stop motion. Mm-hmm. Um, Brandon's Lament. Yes. Our last, last week's episode. Yeah, that, that same project. Mm-hmm. So that's... So last year, that's why we ended up going to CTN. And this year, we just went more for our own fun and see what's going on with the new with the industry. Yeah, and it's also a great place to give to give um, to give out our music and everything because animation needs music. Yep, exactly. And actually, last year nobody understood why we were there, but this year, this year, yeah, people, was, yeah, yeah, people were more like, oh, that's actually a great idea. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that was really awesome. We met we met a lot of cool people. Um, yeah, we did. Yeah, we'll talk more about that. Um, we also met up with some old friends. Um, Cadence, uh, one of our friends who... She actually did some work for us um, storyboarding Brandy's Lament, a portion of it. So, yeah, it was, it was really great to catch up with her and she's see what she's working on. And her sister is also a percussionist, her sister. So it was, we were chatting about percussion stuff for a while. So for, <laughs> that was yeah, nice. Long while. Yeah, well, hey... <laughs> No, but it's really nice to catch up with people and old friends. Yeah. Shout out to them. Hello. Hello. Okay, yeah, so Mark and I, we ended up driving up for the whole weekend. On the way, CTN, they sometimes have, you know, special events. And, like, this year they had a special lottery where if you bought a ticket, if you buy a ticket, you'd be entered into this lottery to go on a secret studio tour of the Walt Disney Animation Studios. And I thought I won the lottery. Because I got an email the, the day we were going to drive up in the morning of. It says, Dear Landon, congratulations. You have won the lottery for a tour of the Walt Disney Animation Studios. And so naturally, I thought I won the lottery from just reading that. So I went on the Google Docs that they provided. And I didn't see my name. So I asked them, hey, how do I claim this and, you know, cash in my lottery winnings? And they... <laughs> They responded, sorry, we apologize for any confusion in the wording of the email. Congratulations to those on the list of the Google Docs who have won the lottery for the tour. So, it's, so you didn't win. I didn't basically. win. Our, our, I didn't win. Our little vacation started off a little rocky. I was a little bummed about that. Um, but it was, it's a funny story anyway, so I thought I would tell it on the podcast. He was actually emailing them to see if he could bring a guest, yeah. i.e. me. I but wanted to bring Mark. Then Mark lost, was begging me he, he to lost bring him. His, uh, he lost his ticket in the end. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So what? Uh, what? Uh, what were some of the cool panels we saw? So we saw some CG animation. Um, one of the an- one of the key animators uh, that animated The Incredibles two. We went to go um, check him out. You know stuff like uh, the Bancroft brothers, who have the Bancroft brothers animation podcast. They had at least three panels. One of them was the 20th anniversary Mulan. Another one was like the animators roundtable. Another one was a competition. And yeah, a drawing always, competition. It was kind of funny. Yeah, they're a fun, they're a very fun pair. If you get a chance to check out their podcast, 
And even if you're not into animation, they're just fun to listen to mm-hmm. in general. Um, we also went to production management, um, basically how the production manage- management team works at Disney and Pixar on their shorts and on their feature films. So that was a lot of fun. And probably one of the most interesting panels Mark went to was a VR talk. So for this podcast, we're going to be talking about those panels a little bit and also weaving in how music in animation and music in VR and these different platforms, how they combine together and also where they're going. Yeah, what the future of it all is. The future. Yeah. Okay. So the first panel, I think, uh, one small step. Uh, I, it has been like a really popular short film. Um, I'm sure you've seen it floating around the internet on Facebook and everything. It's the the animated one of the um, the girl who goes off to astronaut school. <laughs> Is that what it's called? Astronaut school. Yeah, I guess. I, and her dad. Her dad's a shoemaker, and um, yeah, she. Is is I don't know I don't want to give it away but if you yeah. haven't seen it if you want to see it we'll put a link in the show notes for you so Steve Horner did the music for that one and uh, it was cool because the he and the director were friends before so he was brought on really early onto the short so he had most of the music written while they were even just doing storyboards sort of at that stage so they were able to recut the storyboards to his music and everything and then. Um, it worked out really, really nicely and, and tight schedule and everything. So, yeah. And on the, on the panel, they talked about, like Mark said, when they brought Steve Horner in, they brought him in just to find that core theme of music. Oh yeah. So I watched a video of him talking about what they did for the two themes between the daughter and the dad. He said, it's basically the same theme, like same musical melody, but they chose different instruments for, for them. So she's, she's more, uh, keyboard and, uh, l- like percussive sort of instruments and melodies, and then he's a lot more uh, of the cello and and strings. Right, right. But sort of, the, it's pretty much the same melody. One of the big questions that we had was, um, we couldn't tell if he used sample libraries for this. Did did he mention that in the video? No, he didn't mention it at all. But okay. since it was a short, I kind of think it was. Yeah, uh, is it's hard to tell. It sounded really good. Um, it sounded like from the panel, this was a. I mean, they had a modest budget, so they probably couldn't spend very much on the music. Um, that's why they ended up. I mean, the Steve Horner and Andrew Chessworth, one of the uh, directors, they have a very good working relationship, so they know kind of how the how important the music is, and that relationship between the music and the director and the storytelling is. So they wanted to weave that in as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, my guess is since they had kind of a modest, modest budget, I would say it sample libraries, but it was well done where even Mark and I are having a hard time figuring out whether they're real or samples. The nice thing is that these, these studios, even the one small step studio, uh, Tyco studios, they all had booths on the, on the showroom floor. So you could go in go and talk to them after to find out more about the film and about their studio, what they're working on, that kind of thing. See what merchandise they're selling. We got a lot of good merch from them. Yeah, making of book, artwork, all that kind of stuff. So all these, all these studios that had panels, um, they you could go talk to them later at the booths, which was really nice, and they were easily accessible. Oh yeah, even the which, Bancroft brothers had a booth. Yeah, which is nice that you get to talk to these people <clears throat> and and ask them all your burning questions you've had throughout the year. 
yeah, I think even if you're even if you're an animator, you can go to CTN and you know go to one of these booths like Tyco and have a uh, portfolio review. Yeah, uh huh. That's another part of the CTN thing. They do portfolio reviews and interviews and and recruitment stuff also. Yeah, I mean that would be cool if they did something. If there was a similar convention for musicians. Yeah. Maybe that would be Nam. Sort of. Well, there's kind a production of. music association that does a convention. Yeah. That's like library music for trailers and, and that kind of thing. And stock music. Yeah, you know, I think that would be worth it if you and I go to one of those. Yeah, I've been meaning to. Anyway, speaking of the Bancroft brothers, Tom Bancroft, he was the co-director for what movie, Mark? Mulan. And Mulan celebrated their what? 20th anniversary. You got it. Along with Mickey Mouse. He had his 90th birthday 90th, there while yeah. we were there on and Sunday, yeah. Mickey's old. Looks pretty good for a 90-year-old mouse. Anyway, so the, yeah, there, there was a panel on the 20th anniversary Mulan. They had Tom Bancroft, the uh, co-director. They had his other director there. They had the producer, Pam. They also had Aaron Blaze, who was an animator on there. Um, so it was that was a cool panel. They also had the composer, which doesn't actually happen very often. Yeah. Matthew Wilder was there, who wrote the songs and the music for the Mulan movie. It's funny, though. He was actually not their first choice. They went through a whole round of composers. Um, and I think they, they first chose Stephen Schwartz a, to write the lyrics and the music and the songs for Mulan. He was a lyricist for Tangled and other Disney movies before. Yes, yeah, he's worked with mostly Alan Menken. Yeah, Hunchback of Notre Dame, they did together. Steven Schwartz and Alan Menken, so he yeah. was a lyricist for that. So he was the original, he was originally supposed to do Mulan. Yeah. And then Matthew Wilder ended up with it. Mm-hmm. I think because one of the Disney executives saw, or sorry, heard a demo of a stage musical adaptation of Anne Rice's Cry to Heaven that Matthew Wilder did. Um they ended up replacing Wilder or they ended up sorry they ended up replacing Schwartz with Wilder also we learned that Eddie Murphy was supposed to have a song there were like two songs for him there was a two rap songs. tune and then like a jazz a jazz song or something and then Tom Schumacher or Tom Schumacher said that will never be heard again so well yeah I think he was referring to the rap song yeah or so that. that's why Eddie Murphy didn't have any songs but they did write songs for him they did they're just they will never be heard <laughs> He also, Tom Bancroft also said that they recorded Eddie Murphy's voice at his home studio in his basement because at that time he was trying to pursue music as a career. So they recorded his voice and his uh, his track as um, in his home studio, Eddie Murphy's home studio. There was also one another character that was supposed to have a little bit more. Um, the Cricket. Cricket, yeah. Cricky. Cricky. Well, yeah, the animator for Cricket, the little Cricky guy, he he kept sliding story ideas under the director's door uh, to try to get Cricky to have a bigger part in everything. So because they, they were they were thinking about were thinking cutting, about cutting him. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. And now that you think about it, you can't cut Cricky from Mulan. It's not Mulan without the little cricket. Yeah. Well, well she thought cricket. they already had the horse sidekick and then Mushu sidekick. So why did why do they need the cricket? But Mushu needs a sidekick. Yeah. Come on. You need a, you need a sidekick for the. Dragon. So the animator, we, we can thank the animator, Cricky's animator, for saving his part. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The other thing, the other really most notable thing that we we saw at, at CTN was they had a whole showroom full, or a whole ballroom full of VR experiences and VR animation and VR storytelling. 
that was a huge change from last year. Last year they had like one VR guy, Jake Rowell, and that VR being virtual reality where you use like the Oculus or the Rift or the HTC Vive headsets to see uh, different virtual realities and look around and stuff like that. So this year they uh, so they had other studios there. They had Google Spotlight Stories, who they're the ones who did uh, the Glenn Keane short, the duet, duet hand-drawn VR film. Uh, we talked about that in episode three, I think. That was a long time ago when we went over VR and music in VR. But so we got to actually... Um, that was actually episode five. Oh, my bad. Episode five. Okay. <laughs> it's been so long. Anyway, so we got to we got to test out all the VR stories and the new things that they're working on with the Oasis or with the headsets and everything. Um, so that was kind of cool. Uh, who else was there? Oh, Facebook. Disney. Disney. They did their first VR story called Cycles. Um, which to me was pretty disappointing. Yeah, <laughs> like Disney so. is finally getting in the game with VR, but they I you don't could think tell they did you it could tell they're well. kind of behind. I guess they didn't do it very well. Yeah, yeah it was kind of kind of a disappointment. I mean, um, it was it was an okay story. It was like it was like the story of a house, and you know the fa- how a family grows up in a house. Yeah, the kids move out. The parents grow old, and then the kids come back. There's so, a lot of time lapses. In the there. whole thing was almost a time lapse with like yeah. little sections slowed down to see key moments. In it was just weird the, the way they did it. Yeah. And then, okay, so we talked to the guy who directed it and the, the team that made it after. Because we told them we're composers and we, you know, we've been looking into VR and researching and everything. And he goes, oh, that's awesome. It's great to meet you guys and everything. And then they said, which this happens a lot. Um, they said the music was the last thing they worked on and they wish they put more time into it. The way it worked was the, okay, so VR, um, here, let me, should we explain this first? Go ahead and explain it. VR, there's two kinds of VR so far right now, um, because it could change. We have no idea what VR is going to be able to do. But right now there's two kinds of VR. There's a, uh, there's a 360 VR, which is basically you sit, in a stationary position and you look around you and then you see stuff happen around you, like the world moves around you and everything, or, you know, people walk by you, but you can't move, um, back and forth in the environment. And then there's the other version, which is like room scale, they call it. And so that when you put the headset on, you're in a different room, but you can walk around in that room and the room stays stationary in relation to you. So you can walk in any room that they create. And then the other version, the 360 one, is where the room like follows you. Like you can't really walk around in it. You just see you're more of an observer. You just see what's happening around you. Yeah. So those two kinds of those two kinds of VR work differently with music. Um for music, the 360 one, which is what this Google what this Disney's first VR story was, cycles. It was like a 360 one where you look around the house and you're in the same position. You can't really move in the house at all. And you're just seeing what's happening around you. Yeah, basically you're supposed to be the camera. Yeah. So that one, the 360 version, um, the music, they kept it stereo. So just left and right. And you only hear it through headphones and it's not a spatial thing. So if you turn your head, the music still follows you in the same position and it doesn't, there's no interaction with the music between the environment. So it's kind of pointless to do that way in VR because you're like stripping the movie, the VR experience in half by not following through with the music doing what it's supposed to or what it could do. Right. So it's only tapping one of your senses. Yeah. Sight and not tapping yeah. any of the other ones like 
um, sound. Yeah, but they said they they did the sound design like you know clanks of of um, of glasses in the kitchen or people talking in different rooms. So they they position that stuff spatially. So when you turn your head, you hear it move in front of you if you're looking at it, or behind you if it's behind you. So they did that with the sound design, but to me that really doesn't make sense because that's not okay of the two between music or sound design you can argue with this or you could get mad at me i don't know but to me music is more important because you can have a film that has absolutely no sound design in it like no um on-screen dialogue or no on-screen effects or anything but uh, as long as it has an awesome music track and it fits with the story your movie could be a a success um but that doesn't really work if the music isn't playing an important part. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know what you're saying. I'm not explaining this very well. <clears throat> I don't know. I think I, I think they're both important, but it depends on the story. For for cycles, I would have said to do music way before the sound design. Yeah, because I don't. Okay, and this is a problem with VR right now. Nobody is really pushing what music can do in it. They're kind of leaving it as an afterthought and then it ends up being right. stereo. That's also, that also might be because there's not a lot of people that are willing to try, you know, push the boundaries for yeah. music and VR. That's the other thing. We'll talk about that in a second. We found out. Um, but yeah, like, okay. So then the Google spotlight stories, they had a booth. Um, they had a couple of their, of their different films up age of sale, which is really good. Uh, back to the moon was really good. Uh, Piggy, Piggy, which was kind of not so good. Yeah, that was more like let's that was see. more of an experiment. Yeah, kind of what 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 can we make the viewer do? Yeah. So Google Spotlight Stories, you can actually watch these ones on your phone if you download the app Google Spotlight Stories, um, and then you can watch all these all these films that we're talking about: Age of Sail, Back to the Moon, Piggy, Duet, uh, Sonoria, um, Pearl. They have a lot of them. Even the old, their older ones, their first ones. Um, so definitely look those up and try those out. But the ones we really want to talk about, the the Last Oasis, which was a VR experience. So this was painted in Quill, which is a Facebook program that lets you draw in VR three-dimensionally. So you can draw a tree. Like when we tried, they had it also where you could try it out. So when I tried it out, I drew a tree like and then I I made it bigger so I was standing under the tree and everything and it's not it's a 2D drawing like 2D brush strokes and everything but you can draw in 3D space which is really cool so you can draw the branches above your head and then follow come down draw the trunk and then the roots coming out and then draw blades of grass and stuff also drew like a moon a stars and saturn with saturn's rings going around so it was really cool so the last oasis though is was made by was drawn in this program quill in VR, so you draw it with a VR headset with the hand controls and everything, which is really cool. Well, yeah, more like graphically designed. Yeah, I yeah. guess. But okay, so Goro Fujita is the guy who drew this, and he's kind of pushing what's possible with Facebook's Quill. So he does, um, even in this program now, you can animate like frame by frame animation in VR, and it's kind of cool. So you should check out his his YouTube channel. We'll put a link to that or something, but. So that's one version. And that was with the new Oculus, uh, what's it called? Oculus Quest, which is the wireless one. So you're not tethered to a computer or anything. You can walk around freely in this room. So, Yeah, but you still need the headset. 
Yeah, you still need the headset. Yeah, you know, the giant goggles and the little yeah hand ones. But it's not it's not too uncomfortable. So yeah, and this and so this one was like in the corner of the room. Um, you walk in this little this little cubicle. It's kind of big, a big cubicle. And then yeah. you put the headset on, and then you're in the in the room that he painted, and you can walk around um, in the room and see the different rooms and everything. And and so that one's the the room scale version, not yeah. the three sixty. That yeah. one was fun because it was a, that one was fun because it was a very simple environment, um, but it had a little bit of a story to it, and there were some interactive things that you could go under a tunnel. Yeah, crawl uh, through a tunnel. Yeah, crawl into through a different you, you room. You can crawl through a tunnel into a different room. So there was some kind of interacting stuff that you had to do to get to the next one. Um, yeah, but then Mark and I we just tried walking through the wall yeah. of the tunnel and. You can do that too. Yeah, you pass through the wall. It like actually it feels, yeah. for me, that felt weird. It's weird because your brain makes you think that, oh, you're going to hit a wall or something. Yeah, but you're like, you're like no, 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 I'm going to keep walking and keep walking. And as you're doing it, I don't know, you see like the wall pass through you. And yeah. that, that must be what ghosts feel like. But yeah, that just felt something, it felt so unnatural that I had to force my body to do it. There was a there's a little astronaut guy welding something in the middle of the room. So what what I did was I like tried to possess the astronaut guy. So <laughs> I went and sat in his position. It, it feels weird, like your mind plays tricks on you and everything, yeah. but it's yeah. cool. So uh, we'll put links to see what that what we're talking about because otherwise it just sounds ridiculous and crazy. Um, anyway, so the guy we met, Jake Rowell, um, he's in charge of Weaver Studios, W-E-V-R Studios. And so they, he had two experiences there. One was an older one that he did, which he had last year. He was the only guy there last year with the VR. Uh, what was that one? Uh, the Blue. The Blue. Yeah. Yeah. So that it's, one was cool. I did that. Yeah, that it's one like, takes you through, I think, several scenes uh, of yeah, the ocean underwater. Or Four. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, you're a, it's like a, deep sea dive experience so you're looking around and you see sharks floating over you a whale um and these are life size yeah these right? are full size yeah, yeah full exactly. size so you're watching these things come up to you um there's a jellyfish thing there's mm-hmm. one scene where you're at the very bottom of the ocean it's pitch black and then you're in the bones of a whale and then a giant octopus giant squid, giant squid comes up to you and like puts its tentacles on the on the whale bones and it's really freaky yeah. It was very freaky. Yeah, there were some people that just screamed when they saw that. Yeah, some weird. people like took their headsets off and they couldn't <laughs> handle it. And yeah, it was it was scary. It feels like you're actually there, and it's 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 creepy, but it was cool. It was a neat experience. Yeah, some of those some of those were interactive, right? Like the the yeah, jellyfish, you could, you could yeah, tap you could the, jellyfish, push the jellyfish and stuff, and push them away. Yeah, manta rays even even swim over you. I think at one of them. Yeah, yeah. But some of the bigger stuff, like it was harder to interact with the bigger stuff. Yeah, the whale, the whale swims up by you, and like you don't think that's gonna be scary, but it's a huge whale and this big old eyes looking at you, and yeah, that was freaky. That was like the first thing that happens to you too. So I was, and then he, okay, so he had another experience, gnomes and goblins, <laughs> and Landon, you did that one, right? Yeah, that one was fun. That, was that one was interactive was like? also. Um, that was more than interactive than mine, I think. Yes, like everything in the in every, everything in that environment, you could pick up, um, and you could walk around a little bit. The, the room was small, and it was only one scene. And they put you in a fairy world, in like a forest. Right? Yeah, like a forest. Um, there's trees all around you, and there's little candles 
on the branches of the trees and there's holes and little houses inside the the uh the trunks of those trees uh you could pick up the candles and there are acorns and depending on what you do how you interact with the environment the characters interact with you differently so there's a little little goblin guy yeah when i saw it i think it was a goblin yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a goblin. When I saw it, there was a little goblin that shows up all out of the blue or creeps up behind you somehow. He's very friendly, very friendly. But depending on what you do, he reacts differently. So, for example, Jake Rowell was saying, if you try to hand him a candle, he runs away because the goblin knows that fire is dangerous and fire burns. So why are you trying to burn him? Um, but if you hand him an acorn, sometimes what he'll do is he'll go up the tree trunk and then drop the tree trunk down a little spiraling staircase and you can watch the the acorn go down. Um, And then at one point he gives you a bell and you're supposed to ring the bell. All I did was kind of like ring it and throw it at him. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, so I I was testing the physics of each object and for the most part, the physics were pretty... Pretty realistic. It felt like the acorn should have been a little bit heavier. I mean, they should have flown through the air with a little bit more gusto when I chucked it. It's also hard to tell because, like, the remotes you're using are bigger. Yeah, yeah. But the way the way the um, the way the computer interacts with you is really interesting. There's it's like a decision tree. Jake Rowell was saying. Um, so if you make one decision, it takes you on one path. If you make another one, it takes you on a different path. And depending on what you do, you can follow to the same conclusion or a completely different one. And each time, it's almost random what the computer does. Depending, um, so it's really interesting. And, and even Jake Rowell, he was he was talking to the people that were uh, coming out of that experience. He was like, "What'd you do? What did the goblin do?" Or um, and somebody said, "Oh, I got the goblin to." Drop the acorn down the little staircase, which he didn't do that for me because I guess he didn't like me. But yeah. that was fun. Well, I when I did it after you, um, I rang the bell. And then if you ring the bell, you shrink down to the same size as the goblin. So then the trees are really tall and everything. Oh. And then I threw the bell at him. So we're both mean. <laughs> well, I just wanted to throw stuff to see how far it could go. <laughs> yeah, see, we're testing the physics of it. Yeah. But yeah, that, I think that was really interesting. Gnomes and Goblins, that one's actually uh, also created with John Favreau. He's the director of Iron Man, Chef. Um, what's he's he in a lot on? of stuff. Jungle Book, he did the live oh, action yeah. Jungle Book. And then now he's working on, he's the director of the live action version of The Lion King right now. So, yeah, so he's he's on that project too, which is cool. And then we talked to Jake Rowell and he said, um, he said it, when we said we're composers, he was really interested to meet us and talk to us because he said you wouldn't believe how hard it is to find composers who are willing to like try VR and work in VR and try new things. Yeah. Um, but I think I, I have so many ideas that I would do in VR and what I want to try to do with music in it. So I was really excited to talk to him. So, cause I don't think, I don't think anybody's really pushed music in VR to what you could do. Cause they always kind of default back to what's, already accepted in music and working in a 2d stereo world or even 5.1 surround sound but it's not the same it's well i mean spatial audio is something different yeah i think you could still push what you can do for that and discover new things so i'm i want to try that stuff out so i've been looking into vr and and the headsets and everything and and audio gear 
Yeah, well, I mean, if they're waiting for, if they're waiting to add music to the last second, at the last second, then it's really hard to do that stuff and be creative, because um, they're like they're pressuring you. Already set, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, it's already set, and they're pressuring you to finish it in time, on deadline, yeah. on budget. Uh, but I so. think the kind of stories that are really gonna do well with music in VR are the ones that are set up from the beginning with music as the main part of the story, at yeah. least for now, to see what works and what doesn't in VR. Like, because mm-hmm. one of the things is, like, what do you do with the orchestra? Do you, if you turn your head, do you hear the violins in a different area or does it follow you? Or do you hear the cellos in a different area? Or if you walk forward, do you feel like you're getting closer to the sound or the music? But what if you don't see the instruments on screen? Does it make sense that they would move that way or interact that way with you? And so those are things that I think would be cool just to try out and see what happens. I have so many questions. Would you say music is also kind of like music in a video game where it's dependent on what the user does? Kind of in a sense. Yeah, because if the user, if the game or the player or the whatever story you're in, you're just walking around doing the same thing, then yeah, the music has to loop and everything. Yeah. But I think VR is a chance to do something totally different because even in a game, you're not going to move the orchestra sounds around the way you could in VR. Right. If you had a specific reason to. Right. So like. So it's totally different. So like the goblin and so like the goblin that we were talking about and gnomes yeah. and goblins, it's based off of a decision tree. You would have to do some sort of, some sort of decision tree for music, but also um, spatial placement. Yeah. Well, gnomes and goblins is also more of an interactive story. But if you do, if you're doing VR movies and VR films, it's kind of a set story already. And I think. If you have maybe those limitations, you can do a lot more with the music and because you know where the player or where the viewer is going to be pretty much. Right. So then in that case, you would be more like developing a project, a an environment VR project rather than the, the room scale kind where you move in. No, you could even do the room scale thing. It depends. I don't know. <laughs> See, that's nobody knows because nobody's done it yet. So it's new and try everything. Yeah. It's the Wild West all over again for music. VR is just exciting because um, basically you're told to ignore all the rules set from 2D films and everything because here's a chance to... um, They kept saying, like, write the next chapter of storytelling, which is true because in VR you can do things that you can't and you can put an audience somewhere where they can't, even though it's like a single a single operator experience, but you can do things that you wouldn't normally even consider in a 2d movie set movie world with specific cut points and everything. This, you have no idea what could happen. So, yeah. And I think that's true with the music side. We like, if we get into this, we have a chance to kind of set the bar or even push it or set new rules for what's possible in VR and totally ignore what's, already been established because it might not help at all in vr basically we know the rules and now it's time to break them that's how i see it and i want to try it well yeah i think music is in vr is really exciting but i don't know it's like the thing that gets me about vr is that it's it's kind of like an exclusive experience the only one person can see it at a time right unless i mean yeah but you can put so they've already done things where you can put they've like tried putting 12 people in the same room 
where they see each other in the room in right, VR. Right, but that's not, it's not a popular thing yet. It's no. not, it's not easily accessible to, no, but to it, the majority of people. So what I, I guess what I'm trying to say is it doesn't scale very well just yet. No, so well, when the Mac like, first came out, that was not something that everybody was going to buy either. What? The Mac. Oh, like what? the first Mac. First computers. Yeah, it's still, it's still in the early stages where you're testing what works and... I know, yeah, but you still have to like, you still have to kind of recognize where it is in its growing stage. Yeah, but it's going to get more popular easily. Like, look from CTN. Yeah, but, there was yeah, one but, guy there last year, and then now there was a whole ballroom full of people. Oh, yeah, I know that's true. And that's mostly just because of that one guy. But what I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that we don't agree. No, no. What I'm trying to say is we don't know how it's going it, to, it's, it's hard to see where it is yet and where it is going to go without i mean we know where it needs to go no we don't you're okay yeah, you're approaching we, we it from know that, a movie standpoint people aren't going to go in a it's not no i'm saying i'm not saying it needs to be in a movie standpoint i'm saying more people need to experience it yeah so that's where it needs to go but how do you get there by telling different stories yeah no no but techno technologically how do you get there well, the VR headsets and everything are getting cheaper and they're coming out with new versions and everything. So it's going to be like it, it's a, it's going to be to the point where you either it's like buying a PlayStation. You buy a PlayStation or you buy a different VR headset or something. It's already kind of like that because right now you can get uh, like the Oculus for the same price as a PlayStation. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Christmas is coming up. I would like one yeah, of I know what I want. But the thing is, <laughs> we're on Macs and everything, and right now Macs don't Macs aren't highly supported by VR. Well, are you trying? Are you trying to say you can't do real VR on a Mac? Not with my setup, but no, actually, without doing a lot of hacks and everything. Actually, you could though, if you got the HTC Vive, it would work okay, pretty well with your thing. Mac. That's the other thing. Yeah, different brands have different different programs that work with them, and it's kind of like PlayStation and Xbox. They don't. Right now, they don't mix, but like now PlayStation yeah, and Xbox, it, they always come out with the same version of or same game for different consoles. Different yeah. consoles, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, we can, that's not how VR is yet. Yet, not but exactly. it probably will get like that yeah. because yeah, if, you think about, if you think about software, you can get software on either a Windows PC or a Mac. Yeah, like right now, I was going to buy, I was going to try to get an Oculus Rift so I could draw start drawing some doing some drawing stuff in there and then adding music to it and trying out the the vr music stuff but the oculus is not going to work with the program that i wanted to use and i don't think it connects to the mac very well so the htc vive will connect to the mac but it doesn't have the facebook quill drawing program that i wanted to because facebook is partnered with oculus and htc vive is partnered with google's tilt brush yeah, but then there's also it's just confusing. There's also third party programs yeah. that are you know not not attached to big studios or big companies. Yeah. Like what's that one? Anim Anim VR. Anim VR. That's like an animation program specifically for drawing and animating in VR, which, which is <laughs> mind blowing. Yeah, which a program like that? That one on their website they say it's available for Oculus and soon for Vive, for Vive Pro. Yeah. There's a bigger learning curve for that. That's more of a dedicated animation program. Well, yeah, there's going to be learning curves yeah. with each software. Yeah. Right even, now, okay. even Tilt Brush and yeah. Facebook's Quill. Yeah, right now Quill and Tilt Brush are kind of like Windows Paint, <laughs> how it was. Yeah, remember that. <laughs> Basically, a simple painting program. program. Yeah, not much of a learning curve, but yeah, it's going to be 
it's just something cool to try and yeah i'm excited we'll see what happens in yeah time. We gotta wait and see yeah and it's exciting but i'm not patient no you're I'm not be in it right now right now <laughs> well it's a good thing you have a mac because you could probably i mean bring me in the rift pull me in the rift <laughs> put my goggles on zoom it's like, like the matrix the controls the it's other like the thing matrix is, putting you in the matrix it's it was kind of funny because when you're doing these experiences the stories they hand you the goggles you put the goggles on they're like okay now i'm gonna hand you the headset so they slip the headset over your ears and they're like okay stick your hands out i'm gonna hand you the controls because you can't see it once you put the goggles yeah. on so <laughs> it takes like you and somebody else to help you get into the rig wouldn't that be cool if you could make a transparent screen and then once you turn it on oh i know what you mean oh yeah. baby yeah well i think the htc vive <laughs> the htc vive the pro the pro one that's coming now we're getting real technical but the pro okay some of them have cameras on the outside so you can turn off the screen and see oh that's not really normal that's world. not really turning off the screen you're just you're flipping yeah using you know, the camera outside yeah. to it's see like what's outside you yeah it's like using your iphone First, you're seeing the iOS, and then you're seeing the, the springboard screen, and then you're seeing, you know, if you open up a, the camera app, you see yeah. what, what the camera sees. So, anyway, we got to wrap this up because we're, it's getting long. But so, so, we talked about the types of VR. There's two different types room scale and 360. We talked about the potential for music in VR. Yeah. Where talk, we would want to take it. Or where, where we, we would want to yeah. see it. Yeah. Um, which uh, that's not the only version. That's not, you know, no, because yeah, other, our, other people. Uh, yeah, I want to see what other people do too. Yeah, in episode five, right where we talked yeah. about VR before, we uh-huh. talked about what people are doing with um, live action VR, like Ooh, filming yeah, it yeah. in real life. So people are doing some cool things, but right now it's still at that kind of point where music in VR to me seems kind of like a gimmick right now, and people are using it to either get you to look this way or get you to look that way or get you to do something or just look at this fun trick we're doing where this guy's over here uh, beatboxing now he's close to you now you hear it really close or now he's behind you you know you hear it behind you right those are kind of gimmicks and yeah those aren't that's not what's going to last and that's not what's going to shape the vr storytelling industry i mean so it's kind of like see what's going to shape the vr future industry of storytelling yeah specifically it's, it's kind of like when you if you remember when you first when the iphone first came out they had the it's kind of like, remember when the App Store first came out, everybody made a fart app. You <laughs> press a button and, it, and you, you hear fart sounds or yeah. you hear burp sounds or you hear stuff like that. Like people were testing what yeah. the App Store is for. Yeah. And then, you know, once once you kind of get that out of your system, you get you start getting more and more like these media apps and then these, these yeah. things that are really drive productivity and fun and enjoyment. Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of where we are in relation if you want to think about it. Like the app store. Yeah, but people like Goro Fujita are already starting to branch out and like make actually really cool things that you can walk in and see and like an animated skateboarder skateboards right by you and you can go back and watch it from a different angle or circle around him or run after him and follow him. But these are all like hand-drawn animated things that are happening around you at life size, which is like pretty cool when you, if you, when you actually see it and put a headset on and look around, it's kind of mind-blowing. I thought so. So we got to get our hands on one of these headsets. I know, ASAP. yeah. So if anybody has one, seriously, if you have the Oculus or the HTC Vive, let me know which one you like better. Um, also, I was looking at like the Valve Knuckles, the hand controls. The knuckles. Like, 
there's so many hand controls also i was like can you mix these with the vibe does this work with the oculus i don't know it's oh, so yeah. crazy yeah it's like there's so many different stuff out there it's hard to figure out what can pair with each other and yeah. what works with the systems that mark and i have yeah technology is confusing but yeah. um because i have yeah. a very specific thing i want to try and i'm just trying to find out what devices are going to let me do that well, you know what, so Mark? If anybody has one, let me know how you like it. I keep telling you, you got to make a little list of a document, weigh the pros and cons. Yeah, and I'm going to do that. Maybe make a graph, I make purchases a table. by emotion. Okay, yeah. See, you're one of those emotional buyers. No, no, no. I, I'm one of those the dreamers that has an idea, and they just have to find the tools to make it work. I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't either. But... Maybe VR, look into it. Maybe if you just made a pro and cons list. Go watch, go watch some of those links that we're going to put in the notes for yeah. VR especially. Because these stories, they're getting really cool. And and if you haven't seen them, just watch one. At least watch Age of Sale. I recommend that one highly on Google, on the Google Spotlight Stories app. Watch Age of Sale. Yeah, even if you just want a taste of VR, just download the Google Spotlights app. They're always updating the stories. And there's it's it's a quick and easy way to experience a little bit of VR. Yeah, it's neat. Yeah, definitely check it out. Well, I think that's pretty much it for this episode. That is. Um, um, if you guys have been watching TV, there's a uh, an Apple commercial out. Um, oh, just, yeah. Mark and I just wanted to talk about that really quickly. That is animated, actually. If you believe it or not, Apple did do an animated little commercial. So the, well, so the story is this girl, she has a bunch of ideas she's creating on her, on her MacBook Pro. But she wants to keep all these creations to herself because she's, you know, I don't know, nervous about how they're going to look, how, how they're going to be perceived or whatever. So it's a good story. It's a fun commercial. And actually, Apple, they developed practical sets. So these are physical sets. And then what they ended up doing was placing the CGI figure, the girl and the dog and all the other characters in a CGI space after filming, you know, so... So the girl and the dog are animated by computer graphics, and right. then the set is is real. Some people are mistaking it for stop motion. It's not stop motion. It is not no stop, stop motion. motion in it no stop all. motion. No. Yeah, don't get the two confused. <laughs> but it, it's it's very good CG, um, and it, I think it helps that they did actual practical sets because it just it just lends to the authenticity. Another commercial we might as well mention: um, Aaron Blaze animated for was a John Lewis commercial, The Bear and the Hare. Um, so he animated those 2D, and that's also a practical set, everything. And so they printed the 2D animations on cardboard, like, cutout things, laser cutouts, and they put them on the set, and then they move them, replace each card one by one to go to the next frame and the next movement of the bear or the rabbit. Uh, so that was another one that you should definitely check out. We'll put a link to that one too. But Aaron Blaze, he was one of the animators, Disney animators. He was there at CTN. So we thought we'd mention that also. It's a cute little Christmas commercial. Anyway, thank you everybody for listening. Yeah, if, thank you. We are, what is this, episode 24? We're at this 24 is ep- already. Holy episode cow. 24. Yeah, thanks for staying with us. It's almost been a year, Mark. Can you believe that? Yeah, I can believe it. Come January, it'll be officially in a year that we've been doing this podcast. Yeah. We've been on for a year. How about that? That's yeah. kind of cool. All right. So, guys, if you are into social media and you would like to follow us, you can follow Mark and I mostly on Instagram. We pretty much post regularly to that. You can follow those links in the show notes. Or I'm at Landon underscore Akiyama. Mark is at Mark underscore Akiyama. We also have a website, AkiyamaMusic.com. You can also find us on YouTube at Akiyama Music. 
Yeah, so if you like this episode, um, definitely give us a rating, write a review. And please, if you have any experience with either the Oculus or the HTC Vive, uh, send me a message. I want to know. I want to know which one you like and why. Yeah, and also, I mean, send us some of the stuff that you guys are doing on these VR headsets. Yeah, or is it mostly for gaming or what are you doing with it? Yeah, we'd like to find out and we're kind of just dipping our toes, but let's dive deep, you know? Yeah, because I never took it seriously, but now I'm taking it seriously. It's kind of cool. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode. Yeah. Thanks again. See you next time. All right. See ya. Have a good time. Bye. Bye. Bye.